A singular idea has been the heartbeat of this series. That life can throw us in situations that are beyond control, but God, praise the Lord for God, God steps in and he takes control. Uh, the fourth episode is based on Genesis chapter 21, verses 14 to 21. And if you could just run over there with me to see what it says. Genesis chapter 21, verses 14 to 21. Yes, please, even you out there on the, on the internet, on the net, please go to Genesis chapter 21, verses 14 to uh, 21. i give you about a minute or so to, uh, to get there. Genesis chapter 21, verses 14 and 21, because I, I don't have anybody in the church really, so I'm not going to make people stand this morning. So Genesis chapter 21, uh, 14 to 21, the word of God says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. I'm reading from the King James Version, by the way. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot. That's about 90 meters. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God, the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven. And said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water, and gave the lad drink." And God opened her eyes, and she saw a, a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. I just had to read that one more time. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer and dwelt in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took him a wife out of the hand, out of the land of Egypt. Our sermonic label this morning is thriving in a wilderness. A thriving in a wilderness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your servant is standing. Your people are seated. They're listening, whether virtually or physically. I pray, Lord, that you would use me for this hour to transform a life. You'd use me for this hour to change an attitude. You'd use me for this hour uh, to transform an action. Lord, please speak. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thriving in a wilderness. Perhaps one person who encapsulates the idea of thriving in the wilderness is Bear 
Grills. Bear Grills, at the age of 23, was able to ascend the peak of Everest. Bear Grills was able to cross the northern Pacific with an inflated boat. Bear Grills holds the highest, uh, he holds the record for the highest dinner, the highest form of dinner at uh, 7,600 meters. Bear Grylls, for me, encapsulates the idea of what it means to thrive in the wilderness. Uh, you see, Bear Grylls, uh, with uh, partnership with the Discovery Channel, uh, started a show called Man vs. Wild. It aired in the year 2006 and it ended in the year 2011. In this show, or on this show, uh, Bear Grylls is left on a stranded island with his film crew. This can be a deserted island. It can be uh, a desert. It can be, uh, uh, it can be in the North Pole. It can be a very cold place. He's left there stranded with his film crew. And he has to figure out how to survive for a night. So he must uh, look at the resources that are there. Uh, he must look at the things that are there and utilize them in order to survive. And so sometimes he eats snakes. Sometimes he eats frogs. Sometimes he, he uh, cuts trees and he makes uh, spears and he's able to go into the water and spearfish. He must utilize the resources that are there in order to survive. And after the night is over, uh, usually somebody picks him up and he survives a wilderness experience. Uh, for me, I found it amazing that Bear Grylls does not wait for a crisis to come. Bear Grylls looks for the crisis. He goes into a crisis situation and he finds a way to overcome the crisis situation. He plans for the crisis and he overcomes the crisis. I'm, I'm here to suggest that uh, we need to, to, to like, like Bear Grylls, we, we need not to fear a crisis. We, we need to be able to face a crisis and overcome it. You see, typically speaking, when a crisis comes, we like to tuck our tails and run. COVID-19 has demonstrated that we like to tuck our tails and run. Right now, we have a turned on survival mode. And so we're being told, stay at home. We're being told, work from home. Uh, we're being told, wash your hands. We're being told, uh, maintain a social distance. Uh, many of us, we're just thinking, how can I survive this crisis? Many of us are thinking, how can I get through it? Many of us are thinking, when is the government going to lift the lockdown? Many of us are thinking, how can I get to the point when this thing is over? We are in survival mode. But I'm here to suggest that when the crisis comes, why don't we turn on thriving mode? Why don't we, like Bear Grylls, look at the crisis and say, you know what? I'm not going to fear this crisis. I'm not going to be afraid of this crisis. But I'm going to be able to survive this crisis. Not only survive this crisis, but I'm going to thrive in this crisis. So we are presented a story of a mother and a son who have been discovered in a crisis. Rather, a crisis has befallen on them. 
the one who they expected to protect them, the, the patriarch of the family has gotten up early in the morning and he has given them an eviction notice. This boy thought he would be the heir, but because he did not meet the faith test, because he was not able to fulfill the covenant, he had to go. The father didn't want to let him go, but he, he had to go. But unfortunately, a, a boy who is only at the age of 13 has been thrown in a crisis. He's, he's been evicted from home. It's as if the, yank, uh, the, the, the blanket of safety has been yanked from his feet. Uh, the guidance of his father has been yanked from his feet. Uh, the safety of a home has been yanked from his feet. Uh, the constancy of having daily meals has been yanked from his feet. And the text says that his mother and him, they, they walked and they, they wandered in wilderness. Because that is what happens when, when a crisis happens. You, you wonder. You, you are confused. It's as if a, a jolt of shock has hit you and you are trying to figure out what is going on. You are, you are going around and around and you are going around in, in circles. Some people, uh, they are called uh, crisis managers. Crisis managers, they look at a crisis and they figure out, okay, the crisis has come. How am I going to deal with this crisis? And they put together plans and ideas to deal with the crisis. Uh, but notice they're not called crisis controllers because you cannot control a crisis. A crisis comes and it happens and the only thing that you can do is, is manage a crisis. And, and sometimes when a crisis has come, no matter how much of a plan you have put in place, no matter how good your management system is, there comes a time when you're confused and, and you're wondering and you're going around in circles and, and you're confused and it's like uh, we say in Bahasa, putar, putar, and you're just going around and around. Because a crisis does that. A crisis makes you lose direction. A crisis makes you think, what is going on in my life? A crisis makes you think, how can I deal with this situation? You are lost. You are, you are wandering in the wilderness. The text says that the mother and her son were wandering in the wilderness of Beersheba. They are they're confused. They are lost. Because when a crisis comes, that's what it does. It, it makes you wonder and you, 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 you become confused. Imagine you go to work. And you've been working at the company for 20 years. And the boss comes and he yanks you out of your job with a pink slip. Wouldn't you also wonder? I imagine you have been in a relationship with somebody for eight years. And then they yank the relationship away from you. They tell you that it is over. I have found somebody else that I love. Wouldn't you wonder as well? Perhaps death yanks your loved one from you. Wouldn't you wonder as well? Perhaps your, your business goes under and, and, and things are just not working out. Wouldn't you wonder as well, my brother and my sister, it is the reality of life. And, and COVID-19 has kind of yanked us away from safety. And it has made us to wonder and we are wondering, when is the lockdown going to be over? When am I going to be able to go back to work? When am I going to be able to exercise? When am I going to be able to do the things that I normally do? The worst thing imaginable happens to this wandering family. Uh, the text says in verse number 15 uh, that the water was spent in the bottle. Look at verse 15. The water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. 
you see, uh, the eviction notice was crisis enough. But now they go to the wilderness and now they are facing uh, dehydration from eviction to dehydration the crisis is only becoming worse and sometimes it is like that that the crisis only ratchets up the the intensity only goes up and and so this family is being evicted they're already wondering what is going on they're already wondering what's going to happen but now they have to worry about their very own existence and so the water ran out and so we are told by experts that we are to drink at least two liters of water now, as I was thinking about this, two liters of water, I said, well, if, if uh, by the way, uh, when Abraham lets them go, he gives them a bottle of water, that's really misleading in the translation because what Abraham gave them was about th- three gallons of water, which is equivalent to uh, three liters, 13 liters, uh, forgive my mathematics. So let's do the mathematics for a moment. If, if they had 13 liters of water, Right, and they've been wandering in the, in, in the wilderness and the water is gone. It, it means that if we follow the expert advice to drink uh, two liters of water, it means that 13 liters of water probably lasted about three days. You see, Abraham didn't suspect that this uh, water would run out. He just said, look, here's uh, bread and here's water and he, he sent them off. But here they are in, in the wilderness and the resource that they were given has run out and, and, and now they're at the point of dehydration because human resources have a way of expiring at the worst times. Something that you think should last, the, the money you think should last to the end of the month runs out. The support that you think you had from somebody runs out. The, the health that you thought you had somehow runs out. And, and that's the nature of human resources. They have a tendency to run out. They have an expiration date. And, and I want to point this out to you, my brother and my sister. Do not trust human resources because human resources tend to, to, to run out. But I'm saying utilize the resource, but do not make that your trust. Do not make that your confidence. Understand and, and realize that it runs out at some point. No matter who gives it to you. Hey, a father gave his son water and bread, but it ran out. And so he tells me that it doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't matter who gives it to you, but it runs out anyway. So human resources have a way of running out. And as I've been thinking about this crisis, I've, I've noticed something that... Uh, Due to this COVID-19, a lot of people have been hoarding uh, disinfectant. They've been hoarding uh, uh, tissue and they've been hoarding masks. And it, it helped me to realize that the reason why now people cannot find these uh, resources is because the manufacturers did not anticipate that there will be a crisis. They didn't realize that it will come and, and there will be a shortage. And so the, 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 the manufacturers didn't make enough to last. And follow what I'm saying because that is the nature of human resources. At some point they will run out and you'll be, you'll be empty. You have nothing to go to. I remember the other day I go to the store looking for disinfectant and it's not there. I go to all the, the medical uh, stores, the pharmacies. I don't find it because it is not there because human resources just have a way to run out you don't plan for the money to run out but problems come you you don't plan for uh, people not to support you but problems come and and relationships end. you you don't plan for resources to run out you you think it's gonna it's gonna come but the crisis is such that sometimes it can take it away from you allow me to paint it to you like this you see human beings are like a lake 
A lake tends to receive. It is fed by streams and, and rivers and it holds. If you choke and cut off the rivers, what's going to happen to the lake? The lake is going uh, to empty. It's, it's going to dry up, right? But notice something. The rivers, the rivers always begin at the source in the mountain. <laughs> Let me preach for a moment. You see, we are like a lake. We are a resource that is fed, right? But God is the spring in the mountain. And so I want you to understand that yes, human resources are good, but do not focus on the resource. You need to put your attention on the source, God himself. And so here we see that this resource that this couple had runs out and they don't have it anymore. And now they are wondering what's going to happen because now they have understood and it makes sense that human beings are limited. They're limited. Human beings are a resource. They're not a source. And sometimes we trust people too much. We give them too much confidence. And that's why they end up letting us down. <laughs> the job ended because the resource can't provide for you anymore. The marriage ended because he can't be the resource of love. <laughs> the, the, the reason why your health is failing and the doctors can't fix it because they are not, they're a resource of healing, but they're not the source of healing. So we need to understand that human beings have uh, a limitation and in the time of crisis, you can't put yourself and trust yourself on a human resource. We must look up to God who is the source. Somebody say amen. Well, say amen on the camera. <laughs> say amen right now. I'll pause for you to say amen. Humans are limited. You see, allow me to, uh, to show you something that is beautiful in the text. You see, in English, we use word sounds to, uh, to convey messages. We, we play with words like, uh, God is good. God is good. You, you, you see that word sound, right? I shined my shoes. And in this text, the writer also uses word sounds to convey a very important idea. He uses two words that are different, but they sound the same. The first word, when it says Abraham sent away in Hebrew is shalak. And then when it says Hagar threw her son under the shrub, it is shalak. <laughs> Let me preach for a moment. You see, you have a, a father who because of circumstance, his wife has said, let them go. He has sent them away. He has abandoned them. And then you have a mother because of circumstance, because she doesn't have water, because she cannot provide for her son. She throws him under the shrub. Here the point of the story is this, that these two people, mother and father, they abandoned their son. And that's what happens. In life, when crisis happens, the people that you thought were supposed to be your day one, the people you thought you could count on, the people you thought could be there for you, are not there for you. A son is divested of his father. A son, his mother looks at him and says, you know what, there is nothing I can do for you, son. And she lets him go. My brother and my sister, I want to preach and tell you, God is the only person you can trust. And somebody understand what I'm talking about. You've been abandoned. Yep. You've been abandoned. You feel the pain of that person who walked out on you. You've lived your life without a father. You've lived your life without a mother. You thought you had partners who you could work on. They're not there. Somebody understands what I'm talking about. You've been abandoned. And here is a son who's been abandoned by his own mother. You see, in a moment of crisis, not only will resources run out, but people will also run out of your life. 
that people never expected. They will also run out of your life. One of my favorite runners, guy I like running, um, is Eliud Kipchoge. Eliud Kipchoge is the world record holder of uh, the fastest marathon. He ran the marathon in one hour and 59 minutes. Because of this world record, fantastic, great, he started to preach the mantra, no human is limited. Now, that's a great idea. I believe in that idea. Oh, not really. It's a great idea. It's a, it's a nice, feel-good idea. But the reality is, how many of us, brothers and sisters, how many of us can run <laughs> a, a marathon in that time? I can't do it. <laughs> Brother Reeve, can you do it? <laughs> you can't do it. You know what I'm saying? Human beings are limited. It is human to be limited. And so human beings have a limitation to their love. They have a limitation to their patience. They have a limitation to their kindness. When somebody is upset with you, it's because they are limited. When somebody is not giving you the support, because they are limited. And so you need to understand that the arm of flesh will always fail. But the arm of omnipotence, the arm of faith will never fail. Amen. You can say amen to yourself right there. So here, the mother realizes that I cannot trust uh, Abraham because he left me alone. I cannot trust uh, human resources. This water has evaporated. It, it is gone. And so the Bible says, and she went and she sat her down over against him in a good way off, uh, as if it were a bull shot. And here it is, as she, as she said, let me not see the death of the child. And, and she sat over against him and she lifted up her voice and she wept. She went away from him, her son. And she sat down. And there she is crying. And she's crying. And then it hit her. Wait a minute. In Genesis 16, when hey, uh, Sarah threw me out of the house and I ran to the wilderness... God appeared to me and he told me that there is something that's going to happen to this son of mine. God appeared to me and told me that this son is going to be a great nation. And so it clicked in her mind. And so the, the mother is now crying in a, in a desperate moment. She's crying. She's saying, Lord, 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 do not let me see this boy die. Lord, it cannot happen. In, in fact, the, the text says that she, was, she had turned her back on her son. She didn't want to see him. She didn't want to see him die. But she's crying out to God and saying, Lord, I need you to do something. She is Praying a prayer of fear. But it is a prayer anyway. I don't care how perfect your prayer is. But your prayer should pertain to your situation. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't. Sometimes we, we go to God and we're like, Lord, the God of Jacob, the God of this. No, I just tell God, God, I'm broke. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to make the bills. God, I'm sad. How am I going to make this happen? God, I don't have money. Do something for me. And so she's crying. She's crying for her son. This is a, a prayer of fear, but it's a prayer anyway. My brother and my sister, it doesn't have to be perfect, but just talk to God about your situation. It ain't got to be perfect. Talk to him about it. Lift up your voice. There's a song, lift up your voice and sing. But sometimes you got to lift up your voice and weep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes when you're at home and, and you cannot sleep, you're, you, you are turning and tossing in your bed. That is the time to cry, Lord, I can't sleep because I don't know where the money going to come. Lord, I can't sleep because I don't know where my health going to come. 
Lord, I can't sleep because I don't know if I'm going to get fired. Lord, I don't cry to God. Tell him, Lord, here I am. So here is a woman, sad, distraught, afraid, but she prayed. And she cried out, talking to God about her son. And I love this because God is a prayer hearing God. God is a prayer answering God. And the text says, and this is uh, uh, amazed me, it flabbergasted me. It says, and God heard the voice of the lad. Who was praying? Hagar was praying. But who did God hear? He heard the boy. <laughs> it says, and God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called out of heaven and said unto Hagar, Hagar, why are you troubled? He says, what aileth thee? In other words, what is making you sick? <clears throat> Some of us, we are heart sick. We are uh, mind sick. We are, we are health sick. You know, we, 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 are, we, are, we, are, we are worried. And, and, and sometimes because of our worries, we, we get sick. And this woman is worried sick. Hagar, what are you sick about? Why are you afraid about this situation? Have you forgotten that in Genesis 16 I came for you, Hagar? Do not fear, because I have heard the voice of the lad. She was praying, but God heard the prayer of the son. And so it tells me that though she was praying, the son himself was also praying. My brother and my sister, the pastor, can pray for you, but the most effective prayer is your prayer. Do not rely on a man. Rely on God and say, Lord, I, I, I cannot understand the Bible. I cannot interpret the Bible. But one thing I know is how to pray. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to you. And when you talk to God by yourself, God hears your prayer. So here, God hears the prayer of the boy, though the mother was praying, I, I had to dance right there for a moment and just say, wow, I, I was feeling the chills. And it gave me confidence that I can pray. And my prayer works. My prayer works as the prayer of Daniel. My prayer works as the prayer of Paul. My prayer works as the prayer of Jesus. <laughs> prayer works. Pray and pray and pray because God hears prayer. Oh, I wish I, oh man, let me, yeah, I'm alone in here, but I, uh, I'm not alone, but uh, the church is empty. But I'm going to preach because I want you to understand that God can do amazing things. You see, the boy was praying in a crisis. The mother was praying because she was afraid. Huh? She was praying because she wasn't sure that the son would survive. But the boy was praying because he knew he would survive. Now that's the difference. You can pray, Lord, I, I need money. Because you don't have money. But you can pray, Lord, I don't have money, but I know you give me money. There's a difference. One is a prayer of fear. The other one is a prayer of faith. So my brother, my sister, you must understand and believe that God is the source of everything. God is the source to your financial difficulties. God is the source of your marital difficulties. God is the source of your health difficulties. God is the source of the COVID difficulties. Whatever problems they are, God is the source. He is not the lake. He is the spring that emanates from the mountain and fills the lake. He gives the resources. He is the one who is in charge of the resources. So in a crisis, pray that he can solve the problems that you have. 
You see, when I'm thinking about this boy, it reminds me of a, of a story or a song. The song written by um, Robin Mark. It's called, Will Your Anchor Hold? Will Your Anchor Hold? Now, I was going to sing for you, but I think I've been blasting my voice too much, so it might not sound melodic. It might not sound so nice, but allow me just to read the stanza of the song. Uh, and this is what the song says. Will your anchor hold? We have an anchor that keeps the soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll. <laughs> I love that. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Will your anchor hold <laughs> in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables are strained, will your anchor drift or firm remain? You see, the boy's prayer showed me where his anchor was laid. It showed me that his anchor or faith was firmly rooted in God. It shows me that he had based his anchor on the rock. And I'm here to suggest to you that the rock, the rock in which the boy put himself is none other than uh, Jesus Christ. He, he put his faith in God and, and, and he, he angered himself on God. And Jesus is that immovable rock. He is that stable rock. And my brother and my sister, allow me to tell you that in a moment of crisis, you needed to uh, uh, put your anchor on the rock, Jesus Christ. Uh, but here is, amazing, is, is the amazing fact in the story. You see, because he had an experience with God, in the moment of crisis, he knew who to turn to. Follow what I'm saying. You see, my brother and my sister, if you do not know the rock, if you're not anchored to the rock before the storm, there is no way that you can stand and firmly root yourself in the rock. And so this moment we are going through in a moment of crisis, when we have to socially isolate ourselves, when we have to be at home, it is the time to anchor yourself in Jesus. It is a time to know him better. It is a time to get to understand who he is better. You have time to pray. You have time to read the word of God. Sometimes let the Netflix rest for a little bit. Let the movies rest for a little bit and get to know the rock. Because when you centralize yourself in the rock, you are preparing yourself for the crisis that is to come. And sure enough, another crisis is coming. COVID-19 is not it. Other crises are going to come. So we need to use this moment of crisis and root ourselves in the rock we know as Jesus Christ. Because if you root yourself in Jesus, you're rooting yourself in a source that is not limited, in a source that has no end. You know, I like to work out. In fact, when I preach, I feel like I'm working out. Right now, I'm soaked. <laughs> That's who I am. I sweat a lot. Talk a little bit, I sweat a lot. When I work out and I train, I think of my training as uh, as deposits in the faith bank i mean in the yeah, not in the faith bank i i think of my my working out as a deposit in the what i call the sweat bank so i, I work hard i work out i do push-ups i do pull-ups i run you know what i mean and then when i have to compete well i don't compete now but when i when i used to compete or when i play basketball sometimes it is a competition Lord have mercy on my soul. <clears throat> but sometimes when I'm playing basketball, the, the notes, the, the sweat that I have deposited in the sweat bank comes back and I'm able to utilize it when the competition is hard. So when everybody's running hard and they're panting, 
I'm still running like I'm good because I have been putting in deposits. My brother, my sister, you and I need to deposit in the faith bank. We need to work our faith and deposit in the faith bank. How do you do that, pastor? Well, you need to pray every day, depositing in the faith bank. You need to read the word of God every day, depositing in the faith bank. Listen to sermons, listen to songs. Put yourself in a situation where your faith is tested. Yes, sometimes you even got to fast. But when you deposit in the faith bank, when the crisis like COVID-19 has come and difficulties are in your life, well, guess what you do? You deposit and utilize the note that you deposited for the crisis that you're facing. So let's learn to deposit in the faith bank. And when we do that, my brother, my sister, the crisis, ah, we're going to be able to deal with it and, 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 and handle it. And so this woman, she's struggling. She has called out to God. And God has heard our prayer. And so God now is responding. The Bible says that God tells the woman, arise and lift up the lad. <laughs> arise and lift up the lad because she had abandoned her son. In her moment of fear, she had abandoned her son. And some of us in a moment of fear, we abandon things in our life. She had abandoned her son. And so God is making her retrace her steps <laughs> so that she can correct the mistake that she has made. And faith is going to do that sometimes. When God comes into your life, he's going to do that sometimes. You have to walk back and, and correct the mistakes that you have made. So she says, arise, pick him up. Pick him up. What do you need to pick up this morning? Is it your marriage? Is it a relationship with your son or your daughter? Is it your employee? Is it your employer? Is it your boss? What do you need to pick up this morning that you have let go? So she's told, pick him up. And hold him by the hand because I have a great purpose for him. You are the bridge to his purpose. My brother, my sister, understand that you are a bridge to somebody else to cross and to make themselves great in life. I don't have time to get into that. But she says, God says, you have to pick him up. You have to walk back the mistakes that you have made. And because she followed what God said. Because she did what God said, the Bible says, God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. Abraham gave her a bottle of water, but God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And the Bible says she went and she filled the bottle with water and gave the boy a drink. You see, I want to say, the, the Bible is saying, God opened her eyes. I'm going to get back to that. He opened her eyes and she saw a well of water, right? A well of water. She only had 13 liters, but God showed her a well of water. So she, she, God says, I want you to go there and fill up the bottle that he gave you. <laughs> I want you to fill up the bottle that he gave you. And from this well of water, the bottle of water remained. He, she didn't throw it away. You know how it is sometimes you drink water and after you have used the water, the bottle, you throw it away. God says, no, do not throw it away. I want you to use the well of water and fill it up and fill the boy. Because God wants you to understand that he doesn't throw away what you have. He uses what you have. And that is why you have to go and pick it up. The job. That is on the brink of ending is the very resource that God wants to use to bring a financial breakthrough for your life. You have to pick it up. 
The family that you want to let go is the very resource God wants to use to bless you. That person that you don't like is the very resource God wants to use to bless you. That doctor that you said, ah, I don't like his opinion, and you went to a second opinion, is the very doctor God is saying, I want to use to bless you. <laughs> that phone that you think is so old is the very resource God wants to use to bless you. <laughs> my brother and my sister, understand that God is not a wasteful God because God wants you to understand that he can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. He can take what you think is useless and make it useful. And so he tells her, use the bottle of water to, you, to, to fill up water in the well of water because I'm using what you already have to bless you. I'm using what you already have to bless you. This woman saw a, a well of water in the wilderness. Can you imagine that? God opened up her eyes and she saw a well of water in the wilderness. It tells me that her eyes were closed because of the tears. <laughs> you don't hear what I'm saying. Her eyes were closed because of the tears. She couldn't see because of the tears. And many of us, we are crying and, and, and we are sad and we are distraught and we have tears. Tears of sadness and tears of agony and we cannot see what's right in front of us. And therefore, it takes God to open our eyes in order to see. My brother and my sister, the great thing you need to do in this crisis, the COVID crisis, is to pray and ask God, God, I need you to open my eyes. Help me to see what is in front of me. Help me to see what I need. Help me to understand what I don't understand. And some of you, perhaps your things are failing in your life. Ask God, God, I need the well of water. Stand up and say, Lord, I'm standing. And pick up whatever it is and find your well of water. And ask God, God, I'm struggling. I'm not healthy. I don't have this. I don't have that. But all I have is this. I have just a little bit in the bank account. I'm picking that up, Lord. Lord, help me to find my well of water. Lord, the relationship ain't right. Lord, help me to find my well of water. Ask God at this time, Lord, show me my well of water. I don't see it, Lord. I'm in a wilderness right now. It's in a desert right now. But Lord, help me to see my well of water. And I believe that when you ask God to open your eyes, God is going to open your eyes. What is the one thing that God wants, God should be doing for you during this crisis? You're just thinking that, oh, uh, stores have locked down and, and we're no longer doing the things that we normally do. If you just think like that, you're, you're looking at your life on a very physical, fleshly level. You never see anything. But every situation that happens is a chance for us to open our spiritual eyesight. It is a chance for us to open our faith sight. And when that happens, you're able to see things that you never understood could happen. So the things that look so messed up, the things that do look like they don't make sense, those are the very things you need God to open your eyes so that you can see because we are in a, in a spiritual battle. You see, I love the idea of water, of the well of water, because it reminds me of Jesus. Let me talk about Jesus for a moment because, you see, Jesus says to the woman at the well, he says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never thirst. Ah, oh, you will never thirst. You know what I mean? You no longer thirst. You no longer lack. And notice what God does. The water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
Because when God has become your source, he makes you an unlimited resource. He, he makes you a well of water, welling up to eternal life. And so my brother and my sister, somebody here needs to make Jesus, needs to drink the water that Jesus is providing. Right now, somebody doesn't know God as the way as they should do. They, they should. And this Christ has given you the opportunity to know him. I'm praying, get to know him better. Ask him, Lord, I'm thirsty. And fill me up. And help me to become a well springing to eternal life. So this woman, she sought God. And God answered her prayer. And something beautiful happens. That is amazing. The Bible text says, and the lad grew. The lad grew and dwelt in the wilderness. Ah, oh man. Man, this, this excited me. And I want you to get excited. The boy was in the wilderness. He was wondering. He was lost. He was about to die. But God blessed him that he didn't leave the wilderness. He stayed in the wilderness. He didn't say, you know what? I'm going to leave the kampung and I want to go to the city. He didn't say, I'm tired of this place. I don't want to go to, to the night. No, he, he stayed where God blessed him. He tells me that this boy not only survived the wilderness, but he was a thriving in the wilderness. And the Bible says he grew. What was he eating? Hmm? In the desert, what was he eating? But the Bible says that he grew. <laughs> so you can grow in the wilderness. You can live in the wilderness. It doesn't matter their locality, but you can have thrive in it. Oh, I wish I had a witness. You, you see, when I was, uh, I was uh, going to college, uh, I was going to Asia for the first time. And uh, uh, you know what? I thought to myself, I need to take every resource that I need. So I took myself toothpaste, I took myself toothbrushes, I took underwear, <laughs> I took it all. Because I was thinking, I'm going to Asia, probably they don't have toothpaste. <laughs> they don't have, I was that ignorant, I'm, I'm, this is a true story, I'm not lying to you, this is a true story. I have two big suitcases and a backpack filled with stuff that I needed to survive. And in my mind I'm saying, I just need to go there for four years and, and survive this wilderness experience and then get back home. But boy was I wrong. Because God had chosen Asia, though I thought it was a wilderness, but God chose Asia for me to thrive in. When I got to school, I joined the ministry. When I got to school, I started preaching. When I got to school, I met friends who have been friends now for life. And it's just been a good blessing. And, and I learned the lingo. I adapted. And I'm here in Asia preaching and, and pastoring. Because God intended for me to be here. So you might think it's a wilderness. You might think your marriage is a wilderness. You might think your job is a wilderness. But that is the very place God wants you to be. And if you only trust him enough, you're going to thrive in a place you never thought you should thrive. So here is a boy who is thriving in the wilderness because, 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 because God was with the lad. Because God was with him. And so for me, with God by your side, <laughs> you can thrive in the wilderness. If God is with you and taking care of you, it doesn't matter where you go. The North Pole, the South Pole, Africa, Africa, I said it is, Africa, you can thrive. Because God is by your side. He made Africa. He made Asia. He made uh, North America, South America, and the Antarctica, and, and the Arctic. Attic. He, I can't even say right. But he made everything. And so God says, my brother, I've intended for you to be here. And if he, he says you need to be here, you're going to thrive at that place that God has intended you to thrive in. With God by your side, 
you can thrive in a wilderness. The story is very powerful. The Bible says the mother moved away from him at a distance of a bow shot. In verse number, verse number 16, she moved away from him at a distance of a bow shot. A bow shot distance is about 90 meters. She moved away from him. She doesn't want him to die. She didn't want to see him die. Forgive me, I have to do this so you understand. She, she, want, she didn't want to look at him at a distance of a bow shot. But here the Bible says, and he grew and he became an archer. <laughs> she sat away at a distance of a bow shot. But when he grew up, he became an archer. The thing that almost defined his death became the thing that defined his life. Because God wants you to understand that thing that you think is dead, God can make it alive and he can make you an expert of it. Uh-huh. That course you don't think is going to work out, God can use it to make you the very best expert in that place. But here's my question. He didn't have an archery school. He was in the wilderness. But he had God by his side. God taught him how to be an archer. God downloaded in him knowledge and understanding. And so my brother and my sister, God is, 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 a, is a valuable source of knowledge and understanding. And if you only trust him enough, the struggles you're having in your life to overcome your, 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 your challenges in your life, whether academically, physically, spiritually, whatever they are, if you ask God to be by your side, he's going to make you thrive and not only thrive, survive and whatever you want. He was supposed to, to shrivel, but he thrived. Because God was by his side. God is a fountain of all knowledge. He's a fountain of everything. If you only trust him enough and believe enough, he's going to do wonderful and amazing things for you. This boy trusted God. His mother abandoned him. His father definitely abandoned him, but he realized that my heavenly father hasn't abandoned me. And therefore, I'm going to hold on to him, trust him with dear life, and continue on and here, God proved that his trust was good because he made him an archer. God made him an expert. He made him great. He wants you to be an expert, an expert doctor. He wants you to be an expert teacher. He wants you to be an expert preacher. He wants you to be an expert businessman. He wants you to be an expert father and mother and brother and sister. God hasn't created you for the low level. God has created you for the high level. But you must trust him enough that whenever he takes you places, wherever the place is, you may not like it. You may not want it. It might seem like a wilderness. But if God has taken you to that place, believe and trust that he is going to take care of you and bring you to the place where you need to be. God made him an archer. You see, I told you about Bear Grylls at the beginning. And I want to end this sermonic expression on Bear Grylls as well. You see, the reason why Bear Grylls is able to thrive in the wilderness is because before he goes into the wilderness, he goes and scouts out the place. So he figures out what animals are there. He figures out what plant life is there. He figures out what is there. And so when he's dropped off in the wilderness area, he's already prepared. He already has a game plan. He already knows how he's going he's gonna to thrive. When he's jumping off a ledge, because he's already jumped off a ledge. And so he's just simply doing what he already practiced. But you and I don't have that advantage. We don't have the advantage to, to scout out the land. We, we cannot see the place. We cannot see the animals. We cannot see the plant life. We don't have that advantage, nor do we need it. Because we have a God who knows the future, 
who knows the present and the past. As long as we have him, we have a game plan already. As long as we have him and, and we trust him enough, we're going to survive. And so my brother, my sister, you don't need a plan. You need God, who is the one who makes plans happen. Trust him enough. Believe in him enough. And he's going to take you to places you need to go and you're going to thrive in a wilderness. One of the most annoying things is to tell somebody you trust them, but yet meddle and give them directions, do this and do that. Sometimes we do that with God. We say we trust him. We say we believe in him. But we tell him, God, I want my husband to look like this. God, I want my wife to look like that. God, I want my job to have this package. God, I want this. And Can you let God do God and you do human? Amen. Trust him enough to believe that he can take you places you need to go and make you thrive even in the wilderness. We are in the wilderness right now. Things don't make sense. We are confused. Putar, putar. Wandering everywhere. But I'm saying, and I'm here to declare to you that with God by our side, we're going to make it. We're going to get there. We're going to make it. My challenge is very simple this uh, morning. I want to trust God. I want to believe in Him. I'm going to make it clear. I'm going to pray, Lord, I trust you. Whether I need to write a, stick, a, a sticky note and put it on my refrigerator, I'm going to do that. But this week, I want God to know that I trust him. I want God to have the full confidence that I am his child and I am his son. Anybody who would like to join me? Any takers? Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. You've challenged us to see a young boy who was abandoned by everything around him, but yet you never abandoned him. And I want to pray, Lord, and ask you, Father, that you may do what only you can do. Father, many of us are looking to you to do something for us. We're looking to you to take away this COVID-19. We're looking to you to take away uh, bankruptcy. We're looking to you to take away our health difficulties. We're looking to you to take away our marital difficulties. We're looking to you to take away our school difficulties. We, we're looking to you, Father. Father, give us our, uh, increase our trust quotient in your ability and in your power. I thank you. I appreciate you because you're going to do for us beyond our own capability and our understanding. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for your kindness. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.